0: Welcome to False Bottom Girls, a podcast about the wonderful yet sometimes confusing world of beer and brewing. Hi, I'm Rachel Hudson, owner of Pilot Brewing and Advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, sensory expert, home brewer, and Advanced Cicerone. Hey everyone, Jen here. Before we get this episode started, I wanted to let you know that while editing it, I realized that we had a lot of content so i am turning this two-part episode into a three-part episode on water chemistry and water minerals and famous brewing cities so the end of this episode and the beginning of this next episode will sound a little funny just because i um, edited the best that i could uh, between subject matter so i wanted to pop in and let you know that that is why you're going to be hearing a rather abrupt ending at the end of this episode and kind of an abrupt beginning for the episode that's coming out in a couple weeks. Thanks, everyone. All right. Ready, Spaghetti? Yes. Okay. Are you sure? Is no. okay?
1: All <laughs> right. I thought I was. All right. Yeah, I'm ready. All right.
0: You're sure? No. And go. And go. <laughs> go right now, quick, before somebody else needs something from one of us. I know. <laughs> all right welcome everyone to this episode of false bottom girls this are we are um very busy business people today <laughs> trying to record this which is also why this episode is a little bit late uh so thank you for joining in i'm jen yes. yeah. that's rachel. rachel thank you <laughs> and we are trying to get this recorded in between texts and emails uh but we're, we're but we we've, we've put that down Right. We've put that down. We're going to start this episode. Right. Because this episode, this topic requires our full attention yeah. and lots of concentration because we're finally tackling water chemistry. That's right. Specifically. The very fun topic. <laughs> very fun topic of water chemistry. It's, you know, I know that we'll be discussing chemistry today, but it's like, more than Um, that as though as all of you listening and most of you some of you um, at least one person listening is aware (laughs) neither rachel nor i has a chemistry background which is something we've oft uh, lamented that we feel like there's not a whole lot we understand but when it comes to water chemistry i think we both have a pretty good grasp on it Um, and particularly today we'll touch on some of the, the more chemistry y things yeah of water, but we're really talking about brewing ions. And then our next episode, we'll, we will talk through some famous brewing cities. Uh, So we wanted to give you, give you all the groundwork uh, so we couldn't, you know, it doesn't really make sense to just jump in and start talking about like Munich water or something without first making sure that you all had at least a baseline understanding of our understanding of water chemistry.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. to be fair, we know enough to get through Master Cicero's essay question on water. Correct, and that is <laughs> where we are guiding you through. It, to consider this episode a guide through, and and I think we're this is going to be a two part episode on water. So consider these two episodes as a guide through the Master Cicerone
0: syllabus <laughs> on water. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's and that's fair enough. Yeah. um and we are not
1: not pref- uh
0: waterologist
1: water chemist I don't know we're not water experts although in spirit of today's episode I am drinking water
0: oh very nice I too am drinking water high quality h2o cheers <laughs>
1: it's also 3 p.m on a Monday so it's a good thing that we're drinking
0: water right <laughs>
1: <laughs> because we might have to have other conversations if not
0: right. Yeah, we we've kind of danced around this topic for a while. Oh, and by the way, I'm happy three-year podcast anniversary. Oh, wow. That Man. is coming up. Time flies. Time does fly. So yeah. yeah, that's I that just occurred to me today that I was like, wait, I think we're coming up on a podcast anniversary and we talked about it and decided not to do another like oh, anniversary episode where we talk about ourselves. Right. <laughs> 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 Welcome to another episode about us. Right. Which sometimes we have when we're trying to plan our topics, it will just be like, we don't feel like preparing anything, Yeah. What is just something silly that we can talk yeah. about or um, yeah, something that like we don't need to do a lot of prep for, but seeing as how I just came off of my Master Cicerone, my second Master Cicerone attempt, and Rachel is entering into hers in what, two months, two and a half months? Three months, I guess, end of October. Yeah, we are um, still in that kind of overlap of, you know, topics that, like Rachel said, uh, are going to be on the Master System exam. So uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm just letting (laughs) you know. (laughs) Uh, But it's, you know, it is like the water stuff is something that I think a lot of people, it is complicated. And I know as a home brewer, it was very much like home brewing 201. And that's mm-hmm. usually what I tell people. And I remember, Rachel, one time when I worked at Pilot, I was working behind the bar one day. And shameless plug, unsolicited from Rachel, from me for Pilot. One of the reasons that Pilot is so special is everyone there is extremely knowledgeable about beer. So, you you know, if you want to talk about beer, you can go to Pilot and you can ask the person behind the bar. You know, you can just like I was doing with this gentleman. He had just started home brewing and we were just talking in general about brewing. Um, So Pilot is extremely good for that. And I know a lot of people in the community really value being able to have that. So I was talking to this guy who was. Uh, at the bar and like I said he had started homebrewing I think he'd only homebrewed like once or twice and I don't remember how we got on the subject of water and brewing water but he was asking like oh well the first time the first beer I brewed um the sulfur was so bad my entire apartment smelled like a fart do I need to worry about my brewing water and I was like no sir you do not (laughs) you have a (laughs) lot of problems that you need to check off of your um homebrewing Day and process before you even start worrying about water, but I can assure you that is not the cause of the fart smell in your apartment uh, from (laughs) your fermentation. Uh, So, but you know that was one of those things that I was like, this is not something you need to worry about. You know, get get your process under control, and then you can start worrying about worrying about tinkering with your water. Uh, And it is just one of those things that is kind of hard when we were trying to decide how, like, how do we structure this? Um, because it is the subject material that's out there that exists for the most part is very dense. You know, the mm-hmm. water book by John Palmer and um, Colin Kaminsky is very good, but it is very dense and it's very technical.
1: Yeah. And water is like a really big part of the beer, you know, 99, 90 to 95% of your beer is water. And, you know, I've heard people talk about like oh well it doesn't really matter like sure yes you can brew great beer with your water and not know anything about it but that's also the catch is you don't know anything about it so <laughs> like right. you don't know like you might come like you might like here being in pretty charlotte where it's very soft and maybe you have like a filter in your house already set up and you're just like i'm gonna brew with the water coming out of the faucet and you just think it's the best thing in the world because guess what it's pretty good and then now you move to a country house with well water and you can't just act like it's the same you've been spoiled sir so you need <laughs> to know <laughs> you need to know now you're not spoiled so now it's that's where but but you're right like There are, for the most part, you're going to brew really good beer. There are a couple of times where water is going, like a really bad something in the water, high amount of chlorine, high amount of iron, you know, something like that is going to come out through your beer. Like it doesn't matter about your brewing process. You could brew the most beautiful beer in the world and that will showcase.
0: So it's important. It is. And I will say, I I don't see, I still see it. From time to time in pro competitions but in homebrew competitions the b- brewing with municipal water is you know gives you it's going to be treated with chlorine or chloramines so you're going to have the chlorophenols that survive into your finished beer so that's usually something like like Rachel said it doesn't matter how good your beer is if you're just pulling water straight off of your tap and you mm-hmm. don't have a well you know you're use if you're using m- municipal water Mm -hmm. It's going to have chlorine or chloramine in it. And the other thing to know about that is depending on the time of year, even depending on the time of day, is going to affect that level of of chlorine or chloramine in your water. And I remember a home brewer specifically at a homebrew club was like, something's wrong with my beer. I I don't know what it is. And like, I, you know, took a whiff and was like, "Whoo! pool water. This is chlorine. Did you just pull your water off of your tap? And he was like, yeah, I, I, I did, but I always do that. And it's never been a problem. And I was like, well, first of all, it's probably been a problem <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for whatever reason you didn't pick up on it. But I was like, if you if your municipality just dosed the water mm-hmm. and then you pulled your tap water you know, into your boil kettle, that's going to have a higher level than it would have maybe if you did it the next day or even later that day. Mm-hmm. Um So like Rachel said, filtered water is going to be the best for brewing and not, not necessarily like RO, um, reverse osmosis or, or anything like that. But, um, just be aware if you're on municipal water for your drinking water, there are steps that you'll need to take to get rid of those chlorines or chloramines. And it's not the, um, what are they? It's not the Camden tablets, a lot of people will think that that's, you can just toss that in your water and that will get rid of the chlorine. Uh, it will get rid of your chlorine, but it won't get rid of chloramine. Mm-hmm. And if your municipality uses chloramine or uses a mix, those Camden tablets aren't going to do the job. Uh, so you can also leave your brewing water, you know, pull what you need for your brew day and let it sit out overnight and that the chlorine, the chlorine or chloramine will dissipate. Um, or you can boil your water before you boil your water, so you can yeah. boil off the chlorine and the chloramine, and then let your water cool down and then use it to brew with. If you don't want to go through the process of like buying, you know, jugs of water or, yeah. or something like that. But this isn't a how to get rid of chlorophenols in your beer episode. Um, just a little bonus information, but I do think that yes. it's important to know because yeah, you're, you could have an award-winning beer and if you've got chlorine in your water, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And we're very sensitive of, as humans to chlorine, chloramines. So chlorophenol, you really only need just a little bit for it to ruin that entire batch for you. And that goes for cleaning equipment too, mm-hmm. like
1: that you're or cleaning your, your carboy or your brew bucket. Like you need to be cleaning it with the same water you're brewing it with.
0: Right. That's an excellent point as well. Um, But so when we're talking, so we keep saying a lot about like, you know, municipal water, well water. Uh, The important, where one of the important things to be aware of is, and Rachel kind of touched on this, is where you're located. What kind of water do you naturally have? Um, So, like the water in Charlotte is very similar, it's almost exact to the water in Atlanta, um, where it's very, very soft. So, when we're talking about soft versus hard, Rachel, what's what does that mean? So a hard water is,
1: when you talk about hard water, it's basically talking about the potential it has to lather with a sodium-based soap. And so it's def- technically defined by the total concentration of the amount of calcium and magnesium that's dissolved in the solution. But the harder the water, the um, typically the more minerals it has that is going to come over into the flavor of your beer that you use so it's depending and depending on what that is that might be good or bad but if it's too high of something that could harshly like react with your your beer and you know create flavors that are not desirable um so soft, it's great that we get to start with soft water because all we really need to do is take out kind of, you know, what the city puts into it. And then we get to add minerals to it uh, designed by the style of beer that we want. Um, So, you know, hard water is going to have more minerals that you need to account for. Either you get rid of or use to your advantage, whereas your soft water is going to be you know, soft. And in the the sense of feeling it, like I said before, with soap, hard weather, you're going to have a easier time getting that lather with soft water than you will do with hard water. Um, I noticed that I've felt the difference in that, like washing my hair, if I'm in a place with hard water and I go to wash my hair and it's just like, you can really feel the difference, you know, I don't know. I don't like it. Does that make <laughs> sense?
0: <laughs> yeah. I think an important thing to note is that the the hardness of your brewing water doesn't indicate whether it's suitable or like better or worse for some styles because sometimes you don't want soft soft water, right? And sometimes um, you don't want super, well, most of the time you don't want super alkaline water. That's going to be the greatest detriment to brewing. But generally speaking, if you're someplace like Charlotte or someplace like Atlanta with um, very, very soft water so a very low amount of calcium and magnesium ions you can you do have a little more wiggle room in terms of making your water hard if for some reason you need water that's softer than what you can find in charlotte then you can buy like all i purified i started doing, water i
1: guess
0: so. <laughs> well even purified water will have
1: yeah. minerals
0: in it Um, but you can buy distilled water. So distilled water has had everything stripped out of it. So you are starting from complete zero and building up. And I know when we lived in Charlotte, I was on a well and my, like my calcium levels from my well were like 30 PPM. um, So 30 parts per million and Charlotte municipal water is I think like three. three. So it's super low and Atlanta's the same way. So if I wanted to brew something, like I had pretty good water to brew, you know, most like pale ales, but if I wanted to brew something like Hellas, um, then I would need to go buy water to use because you can soften water. It's going to be a lot harder than increasing the hardness of the water. So generally, if I needed something with softer water than what I could get on my well, I would just go buy distilled water and start from the ground up.
1: Yeah. And which is good. I mean, easy to do on a small scale. Right. If you're at a big brewery and your area has hard water, then you might have to invest the in something like.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only pale oils <laughs> and IPAs. Right. right. But if you want to use soft water for something, you might have to invest in something like a RO system, reverse osmosis right. system, which is expensive and time consuming. And right. so stuff to think about if you're going to set up a big production brewery on the, Side of a mountain with super hard water, right? Not right. not that so, all mountains have hard water. It can be right. different. So let's
0: here. talk about that. Let's talk about what our our principal where sources our water of, comes from. Yeah, let's talk about our principal sources of fresh water. So there's going to be three main places it's going to come from: um, precipitation. So recent rainfall or melting snowpack. That's going to have a lower tend to have a lower pH than surface water will, and it's not going to have very much. In it, in terms of organic matter or dissolved materials, which makes sense because you're literally like, it's raining, it hasn't had snow- time yeah. to. Yeah. Um, and same thing for snowpack. And then you also have your surface water. So, surface water is going to be rivers, lakes, uh, those may have more organic matter. They'll have a moderate concentration of dissolved minerals and alkalinity. Um, they're more likely to be contaminated with organics which make also makes sense um the quality is going to vary quite a bit just because of environmental conditions and human activity uh i don't know how many of you have ever seen like your municipal water supply you know but like you see it in real life and it's like yeah that's where my water comes from yeah (laughs) so it's your your surface water is going to be Uh, the quality of that is going to, is going to differ quite a bit. Uh, And then we have groundwater. So this tends to have very low organics, which makes sense because it's in the ground. Uh, It will have a higher dissolved mineral content, but it's also going to be susceptible to contamination from industry, from agriculture, um, other man-made sources. Uh, So it is important to kind of understand a little bit about where your water comes from to start to understand that like this is you know this is where your source water is is occurring so when we're talking about groundwater specifically this is going to be surface water that seeps into the ground so groundwater and it permeates rock and soil layers so the semi-permeable layer that the water flows through is known as an aquifer And aquifers can be confined or unconfined. So a confined aquifer has a relatively impermeable layer overlaying a more permeable layer. And what that means is if you've got a confined aquifer, your water is going to have a harder time getting through those layers. An unconfined aquifer has permeable rock or soil, and that's going to extend all the way to the ground surface. Um, So that's when you're going to have fewer dissolved minerals and probably higher organics because it's going to have like moved through the rock pretty quickly um, so it's not going to pick up a lot of those minerals along the way and I know in um, on my well in Charlotte we had an like we had uh, an aquifer that like kind of our neighborhood our little neighborhood drew from so everybody had a well um, and we were all drawing from the same aquifer so did
1: you go out there with like a bucket and like draw your water from a bucket on a daily basis and like no. heat it up on the stove and pour <laughs> draw a bath with your well water? Yeah, no. Um
0: and- <laughs> we weren't like homes like homesteaders.
1: <laughs> I know. I know how it works.
0: We weren't like prospect, but could you the California? Could mountain. you
1: like go down wait? Did you have like a structural thing that you could that had like a little roof?
0: <laughs> like a little no well? this one didn't we had everybody in our road had a fake rock that sat you uh, can buy that and then you take that off and then there's just the equipment coming up out of the well uh, and that's where like you so change fun. the filter or you could get um if you want- needed to you could draw water off of it
1: oh see that? okay that's
0: cool that's more yeah. fun yeah
1: i yeah. want to be able to draw water off of it but I, I wish it was in stone round cylinder form <laughs> with the lever
0: Cranking down the bucket. Right. Yeah. It's not a wishing well.
1: Oh, ah, that's Uh, what I wanted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so when we're talking about aquifers, we have five main kinds. And so, aquifers, again, groundwater, uh, this is what the surface water is going to filter down through to get into the aquifer. So, those aquifers are sand and gravel, sandstone, carbonate rock interbedded sandstone and carbonate rock and igneous and metamorphic rock. So in terms of aquifer, first, each one of these types is going to give you some different kind of mineral content. So with a sand and gravel aquifer, this is going to be low in dissolved minerals. It's going to be um, typically comprised of rocks such as granite that are relatively insoluble. So this there's a concept of like hydraulic permeability. And so that is how easily it moves, the water moves through these rocks. Uh, So these are going to be more susceptible to contamination from surface sources, just because the rocks as they're moving through them, um, since they're relatively insoluble, the water is not going to be able to seep into them as much and kind of absorb those minerals. This is common. It's found in the Missouri and Mississippi River drainage basins, North Texas to Arkansas, Nevada, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. So I do think it's interesting that like within North Carolina, North Carolina has, I think, at least three different, like very different water profiles, depending on where you are. Of course, if you're in the mountains, you've got one profile In Charlotte, you're in the Piedmont, so you have very soft water. And then over in, I think like the middle of the state, they have um, more alkaline water. And the within my old homebrew club in Charlotte specifically, we had a discussion about that because one of the judges noticed in like all of the state homebrew competitions that these clubs in like the the mid Kind of mid eastern part of North Carolina, where like anybody winning like stouts and um, any kind of darker beers were almost always from like that club's area. So but then, interesting. Yeah, people winning like you know loggers and or like you know like Munich Helles, um with softer beer styles were almost yeah. always from like the Charlotte area. And he just noticed that and was like, why is that? And then finally realized like, oh, it's because the water is so different in both places. Um, So like you said, and like we'll talk about when we get to the brewing, famous brewing cities, you can make other beer styles and they'll probably be fine. Yeah. But if you're limited to the water that's available to you, just like it was, you know, in like Dublin and Prague and things like that. Um, then you can make other beer styles, they'll be fine, but you'll have some beer styles that are going to be really yeah. fucking good and it's yeah. going to be because of your water. And that's basically how we got a lot of our beer styles. Right, because of water. exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so then we also have the sandstone aquifers and these are really prevalent through the Rocky Mountains and the Northern Plains. So this is going to be sand size, sandstone is going to be sand sized grains that are cemented together. And it may include other sedimentary rocks um, such as gypsum. So this hydraulic conductivity tends to be low. So the water will have a long residence time, which will help it produce a higher, more like mineral uh, water that is highly mineralized. Got it. And then we have carbonate rock aquifers, and these are really common all over the world. And this is like the London Basin and the Coombe Valley are classic examples of carbonate rock aquifers. Uh, so it's mostly limestone and dolomite. And so they develop what's known as karst topography. And I'll try to remember to like use this pictures as, as our social or something because it's really cool looking. Uh, but when I saw it, I was like, yeah, this kind of looks like, you know, where I grew up, like I've seen this before and now it's like whoa it looks like it looks
1: like if you put rock uh rock carbonate rock into like a piping bag yeah it made like (laughs) like kind of just started them out big and kind of went right that's what it looks like (laughs) that's true rock cake (laughs) little trees around it it's good it looks cool
0: yeah and so then we have so we've talked about carbonate and sandstone aquifers. Now you can have sandstone and carbonate rock aquifer. So it's a blend of both and they're interbedded with each other in nearly equal amounts. And this is where um, you can find gypsum. It tends to produce highly mineralized water. So unsurprisingly Burton upon Trent is a sandstone and carbonate rock aquifer. Um, so that's the, the most famous hard water region At least for beer people, which kind of makes me wonder, like, if we ask, like, a water person, if they're, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, Uh, like, we talk about beer, and, you know, we all know about that, or if they're just, like, if you want to talk about the most famous hard water region, (laughs) I've never (laughs) even heard of the place you're talking about. (laughs) And then we like holy water. (laughs) Last, we have the igneous and metamorphic rocks. So, um, this is non-porous and the hydraulic flow is typically achieved through fissures and fractures in the rock. So it's not going to, the water's not going to absorb. Um, it's relatively insoluble. And so it will typically contribute very little hardness or alkalinity to the water. And the, the water quality remains really similar to what the initial precipitation is. So the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains in California, the, they are part of an igneous aquifer and it's also common these kinds of aquifers are also common in northern Appalachia, eastern Washington, Oregon, and Idaho so kind of that area which also makes sense if you think about like we've all seen that um, picture of like the volcano like the super volcano that's just kind of like moving around the like the upper west area and you know it's supposed to like it's like 300 years overdue for an eruption or something (laughs) Um, it might be the thing that kills all of us, who knows, <laughs> but that, that makes sense because that's a very volcanic area over there. Um, and so a lot of seismic activity. So yeah. those are our, our, our aquifers and yeah, go ahead, Rachel.
1: I was just going to say like breweries like Sierra Nevada, when they had such an establishment in their first location and then they had to move, well, didn't have to, but now they opened a second location here in Asheville. And they probably, I don't know anything specific, but I'm sure they went through a big change with water
0: Yeah, and
1: had to do a lot of brewing testing to get the right water profile to, to, you know, manipulate the water profile that they had to match what they were using at their first location so they could make the same beer. And that's hard.
0: Yeah. Oh man, it is really hard. And I remember reading um, a biography about the um, the Bush family And I forget which, which, um, I think it was like the Bush, the third was able to taste the beers from brewed in different locations and could say like this beer was brewed in St. Louis, this beer was brewed, you know, wherever else they have a brewery, um, just because the water, because of the water and, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to make a very consistent product. And so that's something when you have a super big brew with lots of locations, like you said, you have to figure that out. How do you make it consistent? Is it, you know, somehow every, there's a giant pipeline where just all the beer goes into (laughs) it from around the world, right? (laughs) Like, how do you recreate that water? Um, and so I know I, I've mentioned alkalinity a couple of times and Rachel, I don't think we really touched on that. I find alkalinity kind of confusing. So I'm going to let you explain it.
1: I am with you in that boat. <laughs> I am 100% with you. Um, the best that, like thing I got from it was that it's a measure of the buffering capacity of the ions in solution. And we're going to talk about ions here in a second. And a buffer prevents changes in pH by maintaining a relatively consistent concentration of hydrogen and hydrogen dioxide ions within a certain pH range.
0: This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the brewing world go round.